This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. How to euthanize. I'm sorry. Uh, how to fix. Yes. How to fix Michigan football. Next on Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Waits for it. Yep. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Present and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds. A junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop. And he delivers for Bo Schimbeck. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan. Go Blue! I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast, where unlike the team, we fight on. So, obviously, it's bad. That's my in-depth analysis. It's bad. It's really, really bad, in fact. And... I I thought, you know what? I don't want to come on here this week and just start cutting myself because I want to hurt people. Um, I, I, not that I'm not capable of just droning on and on and on with gallows humor and woe and lamentation. Believe me, I am. And it's it's where my darkened, black, soulless heart currently is. Because my cotton picking maize and blue heart, Pastor Eufer, it's just it's gone. I've 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 lost my faith. And don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Okay. So I could do that. And I there's a large part of me that would love to, and I know 
that every Ohio State fan currently watching tuned in for that. But it's Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. So I'm going, I'm going to try something new and different. I'm going to try to be constructive when really I just want to spit on my hands, raise the black flag, and start slitting throats. So I'm going to try to be constructive this week here on Michigan Podcast. If I were Ward Manuel, the Michigan AD, how would I fix this? So let me begin. Because in order to fix the future, you need to have an understanding of how you got here in the first place. You need to be honest about your past. To that end, let's look at the last three failed football coaches at the University of Michigan. All right? Let's start with Rich Rodriguez. Now, he was the new hotness coach. That's what we'll call him. Uh, He had an innovative zone read offense at the time but he wasn't fully vetted as a fit at the University of Michigan. And a desperate administration kind of turned to him in the hopes the buzz would heal deeply divided factions after Pat Fitzgerald, Kirk Ferentz, and Greg Schiano all said no. And, you know, Michigan man Les Miles was at the zenith of his coaching career at that time at LSU. Uh, he was who the former players and fans wanted, but the administration did not. And so they kept looking for names outside of Les Miles that would say yes. And finally, it was Rich Rodriguez. And so they thought maybe his new hotness would catch lightning in a bottle. And instead, the exact opposite happened, and we had to get out the Geiger counter. So we tried the new hotness coach. Then we went to Brady Hoke. And Brady Hoke was the nostalgia coach. Remember his money line at his press conference? This is Michigan, for God's sakes, right? Uh, he A former position coach on our only national championship team post-World War II. He was loved by the former player network at Michigan, as well as the administration, A.D. Dave Brandon at the time. And the expectation was that, you know, he was kind of a proxy for putting the band back together. Greg, you know, Greg uh, uh, Madison came back to Michigan uh, for Brady Hoke, left the Baltimore Ravens. And and this was going to put back, you know, the era, the Bo era, kind of build that bridge to the past in order to forge a future. And that any any blemishes that he might have would would be uh, would be covered and accounted for because Michigan's infrastructure would cover any of those holes or divots in his resume and and meanwhile he would just be free to kind of sell the program with that aw shucks persona that everybody loved so we tried that the next coach we tried was the savior coach Okay, and and Jim Harbaugh stepped into a situation without an athletic director at the time and a brand new school president in Mark Schlissel, who didn't care about sports and give a wit about football. So Harbaugh was granted the closest thing to full autonomy. Any coach north of Nick Saban has been granted in this era of college football. There was really no one to tell him no. 
Uh, but given his sterling resume prior to the prodigal son returning, he was uh, hoped, anyway, the expectation that he was the rising tide that would f- that would lift all of the program's boats. And that he essentially, hey, Michigan football is a problem, throw Jim Harbaugh at it. Like government throws money at a problem. And throw enough Jim Harbaugh at it, he'll attack it with enthusiasm unknown to mankind, and that'll fix it. Each of these three men are different in their approaches and accomplishments, but they all have one thing in common with their failures. An administration, incompetent, dysfunctional, that that set them up to fail. For Rich Rod, it was the failure to unite behind him. For Hoke, it was the hot mess that was his boss former athletic director Dave Brandon, his divisive tenure that caused a, you know, mass protest on campus. And now for Harbaugh, you are seeing what happens when a football coach is given an endless budget and little accountability. You see things like his unqualified son coaches not one, but two position groups on the staff. He hires offensive coordinators like Josh Gaddis on a whim. Literally just called Josh Gaddis on the phone They didn't know each other and offered him the job right then and there. Put his dad on the payroll. He builds a brand, not a program. There is no vision for Michigan football. You and I don't know what Michigan football is about other than him. It's about Jim Harbaugh. But it's it's not a brand. It's, It's a program. You know, Bo Schembechler was a great coach, but there was a style that you expected out of Michigan football. It wasn't just, well, we sell out the stadium every week. And under Jim Harbaugh, it's a brand. It is not a program. And it's clear that he has lost his players. That's that's very clear. He's lost the team, and the culture at Michigan is broken. And I think it's irredeemably so. And now Harbaugh is mired in a roster, black hole, with no quarterback, little experienced depth on a roster right now, a team that is riddled with injuries and opt-outs. And and you look at, it's because of that 2017 class. Remember the 2016 class is what essentially undid, unraveled Mark D'Antonio's uh, program at Michigan State. The 2017 class is doing that to Jim Harbaugh right now. 29 players signed in that class that was ranked number five by 24-7 sports. 20 of those 29 players, 70% of them were total washouts, did nothing at Michigan, or transferred before accomplishing anything. 20 out of 29. No program can sustain a washout rate like that, an attrition rate like that. And that's what's decimated the Michigan roster for this season. See, Michigan thought when it hired Jim Harbaugh that it was getting the Harbaugh we saw at Stanford. And if I could use an analogy, Jim Harbaugh at Stanford was the Peter Jackson that did Lord of the Rings. But what we got was the Peter Jackson who did King Kong. The guy who, the director who thought, you know, now that I've arrived, now that I've done my magnum opus, I can kind of do what I want to do and no studio is going to tell me no. I can do a self-indulgent mess called King Kong. And that's what's happened here. We didn't get a coach that came here with the eye of the tiger. We got a coach who came here with a, ah, Chewy, we're home. Put his feet up. It's 
good to go. He's lost his edge, man. It's pretty obvious. He has lost his edge. And when you watch him on the sidelines, when you listen to him off, uh, off on the air after games, it's a defeated guy, a defeated dude. Sad to watch. For the football program at Michigan to be fixed, the administration at Michigan needs to do something more than a list of names. It needs, finally, for the first time, a plan. A plan. See, what happened with Rich Rodriguez is there wasn't a plan because Bill Martin didn't agree and the administration didn't agree with what the fans and the players wanted. And Dave Brandon's plan was a man, Brady Hoke. And Jim Hackett's plan was, we need a savior. And he was right. But just hand the keys to Harbaugh and, and see what he can do. No, what we need now is Michigan to lead. Michigan to lead the way. The administration needs a plan. And that plan needs to have um, more than random actions. Random actions are not a plan, Ward Manual. So as someone that gets paid to help people strategize for a living, allow me to suggest a plan to Michigan's athletic director, who so far, to his credit, has made two hires in hockey coach Mel Pearson and basketball coach Juwan Howard that so far the early returns are very promising. But this hire is obviously for higher stakes, and it simply cannot fail. If it does, Michigan is officially Nebraska with a bigger brand. It has fallen, and it may not get up for the foreseeable future. The plan that Manuel needs is to follow substance over symbolism, as in who has the proven substance as a coach and a leader of men to end Michigan's longest championship drought in the proud program's history. And I think there is a specific profile of coach Manuel should be looking for. And it's vitally important to profile the type of target you're looking for before you start looking at specific names. You want the names to fit the profile, not twist your profile to fit the names. Now, however, before we lay out that profile, there are always outliers that if they become available, are cause for pause. In this case, there's two certified Hall of Fame coaches with college coaching resumes that are clearly superior to Harbaugh's. That's Bob Stoops and Chris Peterson. If either of them indicate to you that they could be enticed to return to the sidelines, then you vet that first and look to see if they still have the fire in the belly to grind. But barring that good fortune, which I would not expect, this is now where Manuel has to earn his keep, which leads us to the profile of the coach that Michigan should be looking for. I already foreshadowed the word here. Michigan is looking for the grinder coach, the grinder, a coach that comes here into a humble program which has rested on its laurels and lacked self-awareness for far too long and brings that eye of the tiger man. He, he will leave no stone unturned, especially on the recruiting trail. He'll establish a culture of work ethic and camaraderie at Michigan, similar to the chip on the shoulder a young Bo Schembechler brought with him from Miami of Ohio more than 50 years ago. And this grinder coach doesn't need to have any connections to Michigan, although that's not terrible if he does. Um, doesn't have to even have Midwest connections, although that would be a plus. But the grinder coach wasn't born on third and credited with a triple. He's not siphoning off some famous coach's coaching tree, but has shown that he can build a culture that shifts paradigms all on his own because there's only two ways to win championships in college football today. 
either with five-star players or a five-star culture. And Michigan needs to build that culture first before it hopes to consistently compete with Ohio State for those five-star players on the recruiting trail. And building that kind of culture takes a lot of hard work. The grinder coach will put in that work because he still believes he has to prove himself. He understands championships. They're one in the dark when cultures are built during long and grueling off-seasons when no one is watching. This time, Michigan. Have a plan and hire substance. No more hype machines. Hire the grinder. So why should you consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Michigan podcast? Well, how about if I lay 2061 odds plus 2061 odds or 21 to 1 odds? that you might get a good return on your investment because last week on our page, this underdog money line parlay that I recommended that was plus 2061 at William Hill hit. And if you were one of our subscribers, you got that underdog money line parlay. And you can see in the comments section, a lot of people were very, very happy with the early Christmas gift that they received. That's just one of the reasons why you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast for as low as $5 a month. You can get our exclusive picks both for football basketball, and baseball. We absolutely killed it during uh, the regular season this year in Major League Baseball, and we gave out those picks each and every day. So if you don't want to miss everything that we're a part of each and every week and day at patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast, go there now and you can support what we do here at Michigan Podcast, and then get an ROI with maybe some winning handicapping picks at the exact same time. Patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Thanks to all of you that are supporting us there. The hundreds already. We appreciate each and every one of you join their ranks and make a little money on the side. Maybe patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Time now for the 10-Minute War here on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast and joined by our good friend who himself has quite a page following college football here on YouTube. Mark Rogers, good to see you, brother. How are you? Good to see you, Steve. I miss my uh, typical introduction as being the most reasonable Ohio State fan out there. Well, because I'm I'm about to propose something to you that uh, might make you less reasonable of an Ohio State fan, Okay. But uh, I, I took care, before you came on, uh, I took care of Ward Manuel's job of fixing Michigan's future. Now and I, I knew you would very capably, so I didn't want to take part in that. That's all right. I appreciate it. Or at least, you know, it, it sounded good. Who knows if any of it's right or not. All right. Let's talk about uh, euthanizing its present. Because I know your fan base got pretty upset at the news that broke earlier this week of Michigan pausing football activities for suspected positive tests. And the word was this morning that, hey, these were false positives. Michigan's going to go back out on the gridiron. And then word broke this afternoon. Nope. No, they're still going to stay virtual. And I know there's talk about, well, you know, Michigan's just doing this to duck the beating that they're going to get in the game. I hope that is true. And I would be beyond ecstatic if they put this season out of its misery and 
were using this as cover to not play out the next two weeks of the torture porn known as Michigan football. I don't know if Tipper Gore is still alive, Mark. But if she were, she'd be holding uh, hearings uh, right now in the Congress about why these games need to come with a, a, a warning label and should not be viewed by America's Utes. Uh, this is uh, beyond painful. You're watching a team quit and bleed out in real time. And with no crowd there, it just makes it sound even more and feel even more like you're watching Chopin's uh, funeral march being played out uh, in a football uniform. End it. Call Jack Kevorkian. I believe he was from the state of Michigan, as I recall. I have him uh, pull up the van there outside Michigan Stadium and 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 hit the switch, hit the kill switch, fire up the pipe, uh, go ahead and pump in the gas. Not the type that makes a car go, but the type that makes the body stop, if you know what I'm saying. And make this end, please. Steve, I know that you've taken a complete turn on this rivalry in the last two years and want no more of it. I cannot believe, though, that you as a competitor and want your program to be a competitor, want to take them off the field, even in what is most likely going to be a five-touchdown beatdown. And Ohio, State's not the, Ohio State has not really shown us that they're that good yet. We know that the talent's on the roster, but they've got their issues as well. Not to the level of Michigan, of course, but still good enough to be 4-0. Do they have motor function, yeah. Mark? They have motor function, right? The, the last time I checked, yeah. They I, were IQ around. above 14? Something in that range. Problem yes. solved. They're good to go. They're going to name the score because yes. this team don't want to don't want to play any more football, and hasn't made it pretty obvious for the last few weeks, Mark. Okay, so does the Michigan fan not want to play this game for these reasons? In addition to the beatdown, that there could be a situation in which. Ohio State is deprived of the Big Ten championship opportunity because of the cancellation against Michigan. And that would be almost, you know, we could go back to 1973 and the, the, the vote that sent Ohio State to the Rose Bowl. We could go back to Woody going for two. We could go to a number of narratives and pit stops along the way that have made this tradition, this rivalry, this legacy of the two programs against each other so historic. And But this might be the ultimate one-upsmanship, the yeah. ultimate. Yeah, it, that doesn't do anything for me. I think if we were more competitive, first of all, you know me, I don't even think it's a rivalry. It's not. It's it's a tradition, but it's 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 not a rivalry. You know, it's a great tradition, kind of like the turkey has with a knife every fourth Thursday in November, right? That's not a rivalry. It's not a rivalry. Uh, See, the turkey gets think- slaughtered and dismembered by said knife every every Thanksgiving. But it is a Why? grand tradition. But Why it, do you think Ohio State fans, and not just fans, the program is still that obsessed with Michigan to have the calendars and the clocks running posted in the athletic facilities and all that's devoted. And same focused. reason I was obsessed with Sparta High School when I was uh, playing basketball at Rogers High School uh, way back in the day in in West Michigan, a school that no longer exists. I was obsessed with Sparta. I was a kid that would come off the bench, you know, but I was obsessed with Sparta. You know why? Because they were by far the worst team in the OK White Conference. First, the only time I ever scored 20 points in a high school basketball game ever, Mark, was against Sparta. 
right? So I was obsessed. First, we have to schedule every year. First thing I did, hey, when do we play Sparta High School? Because I knew, man, one shining moment. Fired up. All right. I knew that was my game. That was my jam. I wasn't just going to be a spot, you know, uh, shooter, uh, you know, seventh or eighth guy off the bench. You know, I'm, I'm playing 20, 30 minutes tonight. And uh, Papa needs a new pair of shoes. You know what I'm saying? I got my basketball Jones. That's why y'all are obsessed. You're, you know, it's you're obsessed about the 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 the, the dude's face you keep caving in, and he keeps showing up to a recaving. I'd be I'd be obsessed about that too. So it's it's not a rivalry. It's it's a tradition. But again, it's a tradition like a turkey has with a knife every Thanksgiving. They always lose. Okay, but you know everybody just shows up to watch. So um, it, it's I if if Michigan was more competitive in this rivalry, then yeah, I would take some sadistic satisfaction out of COVID denying Ohio State. But I, I mean, I've I I am so beaten down. I don't even dislike Ohio State anymore. I don't even care. I mean, I just don't. So to me, it wouldn't matter if the next few games were uh, Minnetonka State, um, Kukistan State. Uh, we were playing North Korea State. I wouldn't care. All right. I just hit the drip. I want this to end now. It just it just needs to end. Period. Are you the Michigan fan who roots for Big Ten um, other Big Ten teams in postseason play or in non-conference play, including Ohio State? Now, before this current era of Michigan football crushed me, I was Mr. Big Ten camaraderie, esprit de corps. And then I got to be like, you know, screw all y'all. But then we started this show a few years ago called Bigger Ten, so I'm back to being pro Big Ten again. So, But in general, if it's good for Michigan, I'm for it. Like, I've rooted for Ohio State when them winning a game would be good for us because that's good for us. Right now, though, there is nothing good. Dude, dude, Michigan football is so bad. Did you see the release today of the rivals recruiting rankings? Like, literally every kid we have committed dropped. Like, you, you, even committing here, all right? It's like you've been scarlet lettered, all right? It's like every one of these kids that we are going to sign is called Nathaniel Hawthorne. So, uh, it, no. It, it, I want this to stop the way you want a cancer to stop. This isn't a football season. It's a metastasizing tumor. Make it end. That said, Steve, okay, take yourself out of the mix as a fan and think of it objectively as you are wanting to do uh, just as a college football analyst. Do you realize that we're in a situation in which the Big Ten could be sending the wrong team to its championship game? That they have set up guidelines and stipulations and rules of this six-game requirement that would, okay, let's play out the scenario. Indiana most likely plays its next two games. They finish 7-1, and one, and Ohio State, let's say, only can play one of the two games, and they finish 5-0. and oh. mm-hmm. Okay, I can understand there being an argument there. Okay, 7-1 and one versus 5-0, and oh, even though conventional wisdom is that Ohio State's going to beat their other two opponents that they didn't get a chance to play, Maryland and either Michigan or Michigan State. But I get the we can't assume things Seven and one could be considered better than five and zero oh because you have to have a minimum games standard. Okay, I still don't like um, and don't feel that the seven and one team that lost to the five and zero oh team should go. But let's say we're seeing games drop like flies constantly. Nineteen last weekend across the nation. Let's say Indiana can't play their final two games and they finish five and one, and Ohio State's five and zero. Oh. These Big Ten rules are going to send, unless there are 18 games canceled in the Big Ten, which there won't be, there have to be another 12 games canceled to lower that mm-hmm. threshold of games 
uh, that qualified. I believe 12 of the final 14 games would be have to be canceled yeah. to lower that threshold, which isn't going to happen. And, right. And if that happens, we, we have bigger issues. Right. Um, then the Big Ten is going to be sending a 5-1 and one Indiana team to the Big Ten championship game and sending a 5-0 and oh Ohio State team that's still going to be playing that weekend, just going to play Wisconsin or somebody. And you're, you're going to have an eligible team that's healthy enough and meets the requirements that's going to be playing that weekend that's 5-0 and oh, that beat the 5-1 and one team. It's almost like this, Steve. You're a Major League Baseball fan. How did they determine the batting champion? It's obviously the best batting average in the league. Well, if you go 40 for 100 and there's 100 plate appearances necessary to win the batting championship and you're 40 for 100 and I'm 50 for 90, I don't win the batting championship, right? No, Major League Baseball has a reasonable stipulation that we can add on the plate appearances that determined that I would win the batting champion regardless, the championship regardless. So you give me the 0 for 10, I'm 50 for 100, I win the batting championship. Give Ohio State a loss, give them a forfeit, whatever you need to do technically to send them to the Big Ten championship game at 5-1. and one. There's a simple solution because you could run into a situation, okay, one team plays two or three games then. You know what I mean? Okay? So yeah. there, there needed to be some minimum threshold or – the way you get around the minimum threshold is if, to me, and this is what I would have done, and I think we should have done this in every sport, that part of part of getting to play this year is navigating the protocols. That's part of the expectation. Just like we have expectations in college sports, you have to have a minimum grade point average, right? Uh, expectations in college and pro sports, certain substances that you can't test positive for, right? Okay? There are always expectations you have to navigate away from the field of play in order to get on the field of play. This year, we have an added one called COVID. Now, the precautions of this league are ridiculous. We've been talking about that from the beginning. And and now we're starting to see the contact tracing that we were told we would not have to see because of the daily antigen testing, right? Now we're getting kind of the worst of both worlds now. Now now we're getting this 21-day uh, you know, off period and all these other you know, draconian measures that the other leagues don't have. But then we're getting the contact tracing that the other leagues do have. So we're getting the wet worst. We were, we were led to believe, and I thought, that the daily antigen testing would save us from all the speculation of contact tracing. But alas, it, it apparently is not, it's not as bad as what you're seeing in some of these leagues where teams are going on the field with 44 guys. But we're, now we're start, we are seeing contact tracing on top of everything else. Here's what should have happened. And, and, and I, I firmly believe that if Graham Mertz had not tested positive, Wisconsin would have played that week. And I firmly believe that if it was not a divisional opponent, because now Ohio State's going to play this week. Smart move. Hey, st- take, next, take the week against the non-divisional opponent off and, and get your ducks in order and then go play your divisional opponent. See, what should have happened is this. If you can't play that week, it is a forfeit. No minimum threshold of games. Any games that you cannot, any games that cannot be played, are a forfeit. If the team that you were scheduled to play uh, can't play, you get a win. And if you're the reason that nobody could go, that the game couldn't be played, you get the L. And and they should have done that when they when they when they screwed up and delayed the season so we couldn't have any bye weeks. Now these other leagues that have bye weeks built in that have schedule flexibility, you don't have to do that. You can have makeup dates. But our league, we didn't have that. And so if you're going to try to play eight weeks and eight, eight games in eight weeks, what we should have said is, okay, if you're the reason why a game can't get played, you forfeit. 
Period. That, that, that's a loss. So Wisconsin, you took a loss in that game against what was the first one they had canceled? I want to say it was Purdue, right? Nebraska. Huh? Nebraska. Nebraska, that's right. So Nebraska, you won that game two to nothing. Ohio State, you didn't want to play Illinois last week. You said you could have, but you didn't, you know, out of abundance of caution, cool. Illinois, win. That's what should have happened. No minimum threshold. But if you are the reason that the game cannot be played, that is a forfeit and a win for the other team. Well, I can agree with that, but I can also agree with taking it that that medium step that at least if the thresholds are are met, meaning meaning that it's safe to play by the league standards, and then a Wisconsin steps out and says, well, we don't really feel comfortable playing, that that opt-out should not have been available, and that should definitely be important. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. But, without, listen, I, I, you're going to have a hard time getting any sympathy for me at the moment. I'm... I'm looking for Jack Kevorkian's bus. Okay, I'm looking for his van to pull up outside of Michigan Stadium right now, Mark. Y'all can have your playoffs and championships. We don't know what those are at Michigan. We're being utterly and totally humiliated. This is, this is worse than Rich Rod holding hands to Josh Groban. It's the worst I've ever seen, by far, because we have better players now than we had when those guys played something like 17 four-star recruits are not playing any kind of significant minutes on defense right now. It's just some, some kind of obscene number like that. I mean, I don't, I don't know what we do. Hassan Haskins got a 60 yard run and then didn't get another carry for 30 minutes of live action. He wasn't hurt. I, I don't, I don't, you know, the, the coach's kid gets not one but two position coaching jobs. He has no qualifications for. I, I just, I, what's going on here is beyond, it's it's not a disaster. It's not a hot mess. It's Chernobyl, man. So um, I would love to have the laments and complaints you all do about minimum thresholds. We're at, we're at a maximum threshold of toxicity and frustration. So you all can have your minimum thresholds, Mark. I just didn't expect it to see it with uh, the guy that you've got on the sideline with the way the teams performed for the first few years. Oh, did you hear league. about what happened where there was a Michigan Daily reporter uh, who was allowed to uh, sit behind the bench, the only media person out there on the field, not in the press box, okay? And they sat behind the bench. Um, that catch that A.J. Henning, the freshman receiver, made, that great catch where he jumped over that guy, right? And and, and I joked on Twitter, hey, I gave him away we coach, that kid won't play another snap rest of the game. Didn't. Didn't play rest of the game after that. After that, made a great play, back to the bench, okay? It must be part of the process. Yes, Steve, that's part of the process from, that uh, Jim uh, Harbaugh is talking yeah. about, yes. And so anyway, he gets up and makes a great catch, and the Michigan Daily reporter said the sideline was so dead that Jim Harbaugh had to turn around and yell at the players to get up and cheer for their teammate. Mm. That's a true Jeb Bush, please clap. <laughs> and that's when you know it's bad. You get the last word, Mark. Well, I was caught um, in, into this uh, news conference uh, that Jim Harbaugh had the other day. And certainly, yes, Nick Saban's famous for spouting about the process. And there does need to be a process. But usually when you're defending the process, you're defending that within the first few years. 
and then the results come. If they can't come immediately, you're telling people, okay, we have a process. Uh, whether it be an office or a factory, whatever the business organization, you come in and you say, you know, we got 12 people working in that area. We only need nine. Let's move those three over here. The conveyor belt's running too slow. Let's speed it up a tick. Let's do X, Y, and Z. Let's uh, start a Slack channel for better communication between whatever needs to be done. And you, it's reasonable to think we're going to take a step back in productivity for a period of time until everybody catches up. We get everybody on the same page. We get some people um, out of the organization that need to go somewhere else. And then the results follow. That that um, Jim Harbaugh explanation or defense of his process was mind-boggling. Well, at least you didn't call it a five-year plan. All right. Anyway, Mark, good to see you, brother. As always. All right. All right. Take care. Merry Thanks. Christmas. Yep. I'll be cutting myself. So why should you consider supporting us on patreon.com slash Michigan podcast? Well, how about if I lay 2,061 odds plus 2,061 odds or 21 to 1 odds that you might get a good return on your investment? Because last week on our page, this underdog money line parlay that I recommended that was plus 2061 at William Hill hit. And if you were one of our subscribers, you got that underdog money line parlay. And you can see in the comment section, a lot of people were very, very happy with the early Christmas gift that they received. That's just one of the reasons why you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast for as low as $5 a month. You can get our exclusive picks both for football basketball and baseball we absolutely killed it during uh, the regular season this year in major league baseball and we gave out those picks each and every day so if you don't want to miss everything that we're a part of each and every week and day at patreon.com slash michigan podcast go there now and you can support what we do here at michigan podcast and then Get an ROI with maybe some winning handicapping picks at the exact same time. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. Thanks to all of you that are supporting us there. The hundreds already. We appreciate each and every one of you. Join their ranks and make a little money on the side maybe. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. This week's Twitter poll results. We asked you, who do you think our rivals and their fans are more afraid of? Harbaugh's program at Michigan or a new coach coming into the program, 86.5% of you said a new coach. 13.5% of you either um, need drug tested or you're trolling us. But thanks for playing. This week's question of the week from Jarrett. What do you think of Jim Harbaugh as next Detroit Lions? Lions, coach. You know, I think um, uh, I think Jim still has a top five all-time NFL win percentage, and I think with where he's at right now, the NFL is a good fit for him. I, I don't. I think he just wants to kind of just um, do the nuts and bolts of football, the terraforma ass actions required of building a culture in a college football program. We've just seen after six years, Jarrett, that's not his thing. So whether it's the Lions or another NFL franchise, where you know if you don't like guys, just cut them, uh, trade them. Uh, move them. You, can, you can't really do that in college football. 
Um, but I, I think I'd be very interested in at least talking to him. And if he's got the fire in the belly, I'd certainly take a look at it. And I'm fine with Jim Harbaugh coaching anywhere next year other than Ann Arbor, Michigan. That'll do it for this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. You can like, rate, subscribe, share, five-star review, whether it's YouTube, Stitcher, Google, iTunes. However you access this show each week, do any of those things to help us grow our audience and reach more Michigan as well as rubbernecking, gawking, uh, sadistically enjoying themselves Ohio State fans, which is the second biggest segment of our audience right now. But hey. You know what? Hey, your Google AdSense money cash is just the same. So thanks. Uh, but please uh, keep that feedback coming and help us to keep uh, growing and sharing the show. That'll do it for this week. Next week, I don't, I don't know what we do. Next week, I just know it will be painful. Until then. Bye-bye. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.